What if there was a fun way, in a way that is much more efficient, to make companies actually reach their sustainability goals and hold them accountable to reaching them without just waiting for the government to do so when it's too late? Well, stay tuned for this entire episode with our ecopreneur on the podcast today, Brent, founder of Trick or Treat where he has created a model that will incentivize companies to make sustainability reforms to their business for a treat. And if they don't, then there will be some consequences, a trick. So stay tuned to learn exactly what those consequences are and the benefits for receiving a treat. And make sure to also listen to how you can help make this a reality on this episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. You are here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. Brent, thank you so much for coming on to Green Business Impact Podcast. And can you tell us about Trick or Treat and what you guys do? Yeah, for sure. So thanks for having me. Trick or Treat is a Halloween-themed exchange-traded fund that does climate activism, which is probably something you haven't heard of before. (laughs) It's pretty new stuff. (laughs) Basically, what we're doing is we're building a community of people who care about climate, and then we're all going to invest together in a fund. And then the idea is that every month that fund will invest in buy stock in one company, and then we're going to challenge that company to take some action on climate, do some sustainable action. And if the company does what we want, and you know, the we here, hopefully it's like a million people, like very large influential group. If they do what we want, then we are going to reward them, which we call the treat of trick or treat. And that means we're promoting them. And in theory, if we just make a ton of noise and we're buying their product, we can actually increase the value of the company. And that means that the stock price would go up while we are a significant shareholder. So basically we're pressuring companies to take climate action but potentially making money for this fund if they do what we want. But it's also possible that they will not do what they want. They will not do something impressive, in which case we will do a trick, which is not as nice as a treat. A trick basically means that we're all trying to destroy this company and we want to actually make an example of them, make them go bankrupt as quickly as possible. And so it's a climate action thing that we're doing that has to also be a potentially lucrative investment fund as well. So that's the gist of it. Yeah. And so you're giving them a treat or you're tricking them and basically trying to make it so that they didn't do what they said they were going to do. They didn't hold up on their end of the promise. So they should have some consequences associated with like that. You can't just come out and pledge you're going to do this and that. And then really after three years later, you really haven't taken any steps forward or done anything that you've said you're going to do. So there should be some consequences. I think that's what you guys are trying to prove here, right? Yeah, I think so. Part of it is definitely if you said you would do something, let's hold you accountable to that. But another part of it is like, maybe you didn't even say you were going to do anything yet. And then we're going to say, hey, you have to, here's the bar. And this is maybe what's normal, but we're going to raise that bar. 
and it's up to you. It's your choice and you can either impress us or not. And it's, I see the market as this like evolutionary process where every day companies fail because they don't meet the demands of the market. And we're saying we're the market, we're getting organized and we have a specific demand around this. And it's fine if you can't meet that and maybe you'll have to shut down, but if you can, you'll thrive. And instead of just being about traditional business imperatives, we're saying this is what we want you to compete for. So see if we can move some markets. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what's really your mission for bringing this about? Yeah. The way I look at the world personally is very much, I'm a very impact driven person. How can I, with my short life, just maximize impact on the world and go from small things like, oh, in the early days when I was younger, maybe I was like, oh, let's like feed the hungry at the soup kitchen. I'm like, ah, I want to think bigger and more systemic. And I kept thinking bigger. And then I got to like climate. And I was like, wow, climate is like the biggest, most complex thing. That's what I want to go after. We have to solve all these things at once. It's all interdependent. And then I was like, you know what really is going to help us solve climate? Something even more complex, which is like capitalism, like the economy. And I don't know. I think I just get really excited about really complex systemic problems. And climate change is one. The economy works is another. And this is a nice fusion of both of those. And I think there's a lot of people in the world who feel quietly desperate about climate. And they're full of grief and fear and they're also like, oh, we'll be fine, but we're not seeing the progress. And a lot of people <laughs> feel that way about that people have all kinds of opinions about capitalism. But there are a lot of people who are like, wow, this system isn't quite doing what we would love to have it do. And like, I don't really know the way around that. So that's why I'm trying to deliver a solution that will make climate people be like, oh, at last, a way we can go faster and systemically move these big institutions to change. And then people feel about their role in business. It's actually, okay, this is fine. This is, yeah, it's about profits and business, but we're going to put our values in there so that it actually solves problems. So I think that's hopefully what we'll find a yearning for out there. Yeah, definitely. Have you talked to any people so far? Have you seen a lot of support around this so far? Have you gotten any like big names or anybody who's really been like, yeah, I like that. I like what you're doing there. Yeah, totally. I came up with this idea. I've got a background in starting companies, technology startups. I know about business. I know about activism, but I knew nothing about finance and the stock market. That was totally new to me. So I definitely spent about a little over a year just talking to experts and saying, this has got to be illegal, right? This is really <laughs> awesome. Like, right. like, there's got to be some loophole here. And just continually talking to whether it's lawyers or hedge fund managers or people on the board of publicly traded companies. And people were like, this is outrageous. This is just a preposterous idea. It'll be difficult, but actually it is possible and it is legal. And that's what I've been hearing. So throughout that process of doing diligence, I identified a group. There's probably about 60 people who I call my brain trust and they're experts. Some of them are just big executives. They understand different parts of this. And so I have those people and I call upon them sometimes, but that was called like private, like behind closed doors. I was like making sure this idea had legs. Now, in the last six months or so, I like put up the website publicly and told my friends I was doing it. And so we've started to get more people checking it out and being excited about it. We certainly do get people who are super excited. We haven't yet really done the huge marketing push. We're not growing like crazy. So what I'm actually doing is like working on how do I grow this? How does this thing go viral? What story do I tell? And so 
But if Perry's on yeah, that right now, we'll make some more noise. Yeah, definitely. So why don't we go ahead and here just provide us an example of how this would work and how you would see this play out in terms of the trick and the treat and how that would all work in terms yeah. of the group and supporting or uh, <laughs> moving away from a company. But yeah, why don't we go yeah. to an example? Oh here? my God. It's, I have such a crazy vision. It's super fun to talk about. Imagine, okay, you got a million people who all care about climate. They like making money. They like fun stuff. And they're all in this sort of the big chat room or something, right? So then we say, all right, it's the first of the month. Let's start planning what we're going to do next. What climate solution are you all excited about? And people can vote. Oh, I want to do something with solar or low carbon concrete or whatever their passion is. And maybe, for example, the winning vote could be regenerative agriculture. And so then we would have a couple analysts, like paid analysts who work for the fund or experts in sustainability and finance, and they would come up with some proposals for specific companies we could ask them to do something different on regenerative agriculture. So maybe they say, oh, we could ask Campbell's Soup to grow their celery in a different way. Or we could ask Safeway to only sell products with a certain certification. Or we could ask the Cheesecake Factory to make their meat supply chain carbon negative with rotational grazing, whatever it is. And they come up with some ideas. And then we have a group that I'm calling the commission that doesn't exist yet, but we will create this group and they will have full governance voting rights over every investment that the fund the trick-or-treat fund makes. And so the vision here is that this is a bunch of people who are all climate impact people. They do not come from the stock market. They're the opposite of Wall Street. And those people will be on this meeting and they're like, okay, we're holding a meeting. There's a Zoom meeting. Come analysts and present us with your proposals. And everything that happens on this meeting, everyone has to wear Halloween costumes because it was very much a <laughs> Halloween themed experience and it's just wacky, it's part of it. So the analysts come and say, okay, here's the Safeway idea. Here's the Cheesecake Factory. Here's the Campbell's Soup. There's Q and A. And then the commission will do like a secret ballot and they're like, okay, I vote for this proposal. So maybe they choose the Cheesecake Factory idea. So then say we have a billion dollars in the fund. Some people invested a hundred bucks. Some people invested a hundred thousand and we get this big chunk of money. So we take let's say 5% of that, $50 million, and we secretly buy up stock in the Cheesecake Factory. And then we get ready to announce it. We say, okay, community, are you ready to know who's next? Drum roll, please. And everyone's like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then we just tweet it out. We say, congratulations, the Cheesecake Factory. And everyone's like, Cheesecake! And the Cheesecake <laughs> Factory is like, what? what? Who's this? What? Who are these people? What? What's going on? And we say, hey, we're trick-or-treat. We just bought 8% of you and we're about to make you the most successful restaurant. We're going to all spend money. We're going to double your sales. We're going to blow up your social media. Everyone's going to love you. This is going to be so good for your business. And there's just one catch. We have an ask. So we want you to do something about the supply chain, the way you do your meat sourcing. You have 100 days to come back to the next meeting we have. You better send your CEO. They better wear a costume. And then you're going to tell us what you're willing to do. And then our commission will listen to your proposal and then say, okay, get off the call, CEO. And then they'll say, okay, is this guy deserve a trick or a treat? And if it's very impressive, then they'll say, wow, this company is going to evolve into the future. They're making the change we want. Let's reward them in a big way. Treat. Or if they're just like, this is greenwashing. This is not serious. You don't understand the scope of change that's needed, this is a trick, let's punish this company. And the idea is most of the time, it's a treat. We want it to be a treat. We want everyone to make money, we want the, the climate impact to happen, 
And that's what we're going for. It's a good faith. Let's encourage this company. And while we're waiting for them to come up with their proposal, the thing about this fund is so cool is that we charge fees. So if there's a billion dollars in the fund. We're charging 1% on that every year, which is like revenue that comes in. Most Wall Street funds will take that and be like, sweet, let's buy a house in the Hamptons. But instead, we're taking it and saying, we actually have a chunk of this money that goes to pay people in the community who want to do fun promotional stuff. Hey, I'm, I'm in the high school. We'll do a pizza party in support of the Cheesecake Factory. We need 200 bucks for pizza. And then someone's, hey, I got a barn on next to the highway. I'll paint my barn with this fun Cheesecake Factory promotion. I need a thousand bucks for that. And big celebrities, we could say, hey, for 50 grand, I'll record a hit song about the Cheesecake Factory. So those opportunities are there and we've got this money so we can budget out this crowdsource promotional campaign. And then we go to the CMO of the Cheesecake Factory. We're like, hey, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to your brand. We're about to make you go viral. <laughs> this is a lightning struck. This is just where it's going to be so good for you. So just keep that in mind. You better make a really strong proposal. You better earn the treat. So that's how it would go. And the hope is that most of the time, let's say five out of six times, they'd come up with something impressive. It's a treat. Everyone makes money. Our 50 million becomes 100 million. We don't know exactly what that number will be. We don't know if it'll go up. This is an experiment, but... In theory, it could. And so then if that's happening most of the time, then our fund would be performing very well. And only once in a while, it would be a trick. Once in a while, if we said it was a trick, before we announced that, we would sell the stock for a couple of weeks. We'd quietly sell And then we'd announce it's a trick. And then everyone would be like, oh, we, you know what? We just have been working on this, trying to help you. And now you can't do this one thing. Unbelievable. And so just like all this sort of frustration and, and pent up confused anger about climate and capitalism and all, all that emotion, we just send it right at this company. Let's destroy the cheesecake factory. But we don't do it in a way of it's not like hateful energy or like you, you're bad <laughs> right. people. It's not like that. It's just, I'm sorry, we're all going to go to Chili's or whatever your competitor is. I'm sorry, you just don't get to exist anymore. Thank you so much for the cheesecake. It was delicious. Goodbye. <laughs> anyway, so that's the vision. And hopefully if the fund actually does perform really well, and this is repeatable, which I believe is possible, then we just attract more and more capital to the fund and it would just continue to grow and we could start doing it with bigger and bigger companies. And that's the vision. Yeah, definitely. Do you foresee the commission also helping out with the company and saying, hey, this is a suggestion. We think you should try out these type of things in order to meet your treat criteria. Because it sounds a little subjective. Oh, are you going to meet the criteria or not? Yeah, I think that's something which I haven't tried to define yet. I think it's something for the commission itself to figure out how to define. But yes, I think that there's going to be a bunch of different opinions. Like maybe we have a bunch of people who work at Greenpeace and Nature Conservancy on this commission. Maybe we have a, someone who's in Congress or just different perspectives. And so I think that we'll want to give some guidelines to the company and basically say, look, we don't know for sure. There's not like a clear do this or that. And actually, there's some legal reasons why we can't have it be like a yes, no to a specific thing. There's a longer story about insider trading. So we have to leave it somewhat vague. And let the company come up. It's their business. They're going to know. If we tried to say, hey, this is the specific factory you should change this, like, we don't know. So it's more, we'll say, hey, here are some examples of what other companies have done that most people in our commission feel are exemplary. And here are some examples of things that we find not satisfactory. And then what I think we should do is say, we have three experts 
who are going to advise you. Call these people. They'll tell you what is the state of the art with meat supply chain. What's the state of the art with regenerative ag? Oh, do you want some like reports and like financial analysis of this? Yeah, we'll help get those resources so they're really equipped because we want the, the boardroom conversation when we come knocking needs to be like 90%. What an amazing opportunity. This just is the jackpot. We're like this mediocre company and this is what we've been waiting for to change the game. And 10% fear, 10% if we don't do this, they're gonna destroy us. But like it needs to really hit as an opportunity. It's a fine line to walk, but that's what I'm trying to accomplish. I think it's a good question of like how much structure do we give them about what's going to be acceptable? But I think we have to leave it a little bit vague because it's also up to the vote. We don't know in advance. We got to hear what their proposal is and see if it impresses people. I think I agree with that. I see your point there because legally you can't make those kind of determinations. This is what you have to do. But I also see you do want to support them. At the end of the day, you want it to be a treat. Like you want the company to win you want you guys to win like it, it's a win-win all around if they're willing to put in the work and so it's just at that point we got to make sure that they're also successful too because i think a lot of things that i've seen in the past people really shaming companies and being like oh you're greenwashing and all this stuff and i don't always believe that companies are out there we're gonna greenwash people i don't think like people are inherently evil i think they come from a good place i think a lot of people just don't know their ceo plops something on their desk and they say okay i have to decrease such and such by this period and i go online and i hear a lot of people talking about how negative plastic is and that's a big thing so let me create a sustainability initiative about replacing our plastic bottles boxed water or something like that and we, oh we'll call that a win and it's i don't think they were trying to greenwash i don't think they were trying to make a bad decision they were coming from a good place but they didn't really think long term or they just didn't have the knowledge they didn't have the resources to go out there and find out all the things because maybe they weren't trained in sustainability for 20 years maybe they just came into the position because the ceo was like hey you want to try this cso thing like you're really pretty big in the environment so like you want to try it so i think a lot of people they really attack companies and call it greenwashing i think there's probably a percentage of companies that do it intentionally not intentionally try to like say oh we're gonna do all this great stuff and then just not do it right <laughs> and say For example like, more likely exactly but i think there's a lot of companies the majority of companies who might be getting called out on this greenwashing are just really coming from a place of poor knowledge and poor understanding of the entire impact that they're causing when they're doing something and really understanding that. So I think that's a good thing to include about you're trying to help these companies too. You're just not going to sit there and say, okay, we're going to promote you and you better do it, but I'm not going to help you. Yeah. And I think there's a really important public education component to this. If we're able yeah. to say, hey, there's a agricultural technique called multi-paddock grazing and it involves this and this is what happens with the roots of grass. And most people haven't heard of that. But if we're like, hey, we've got this viral campaign and we've got all these viral videos and celebrities and, and now everyone on the Wall Street traders are watching our live stream to be like, what's going to happen? And they're learning about this stuff, right? That sort of moves the norm. And it says to the McDonald's middle manager who wasn't paying attention to this, now they learn about it like, oh, this is a thing. This is actually a thing that's happening in our industry. Maybe I should have a meeting about this or learn about it, right? So that's a really cool public education component. It also would hopefully mean 
that the million people, all of our customers of these companies, they're learning about it. So maybe they start to ask questions. And so that's a cool angle. But yeah, I think the educational piece is an important part. And then there's like the power piece. The other thing that I think happens is when people and activists, when we attack companies, to your point, partially it's because they're not doing enough because they don't know. Sometimes they're not doing enough because it's so complex. And sometimes they actually just don't have the power because you're like, cool, you're the VP of sustainability, but you have to get permission from the CEO and the CEO needs permission from the board and the board needs permission from the shareholders and the shareholders need permission from the Goldman Sachs financial executive. And that person needs permission the from you know, the spreadsheet. And that person needs permission from the data. It's just like, so it is pretty systemic. And so that's why I've just come to feel it's very unproductive to dunk on these companies and attack them. Whereas what I think we're doing is, okay, we're going to actually simultaneously impact the data and the spreadsheets and the shareholders and the Wall Street people and the board's going to hear about it. And so it's like, we can move all of that at once if we get enough involved with this. Yeah, definitely. If you've got the whole backing of all of that moving together, it all lifts, right? It all, all boats rise with the sea rising. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think you've got a way to impact it all so that everybody's seeing that and having seen that impact on their little side of things can really start moving some of this, the bureaucracy and all the inside stuff that has to go on and start actually moving it forward, which is what we need to happen for these stuff to have, we need stuff to actually start happening a lot faster than it is. And we don't have time to just wait around. It really needs to happen now. So I think this, this can spur that action, which is super important. Yeah. It's super interesting to imagine right now, most of the climate people are you and I were in the green business world, but most people are like, cool, we're just going to wait for Congress to pass a law to make the companies do it. It's cool. That'll be another decade of like just waiting, but like something like At this least. where it feels much more. Yeah. But here we're just, okay, we're going to go and we're going to directly make the companies do something without needing the government involved. That's super empowering and exciting. So I really want to prove that it works. Yeah, definitely. Where do you see the timeline? Are you looking at to see a test prototype or something go live? It's a good question. I'm definitely going to be a bit improvisational about this because this is the type of thing where overnight it could get big and... There's a bunch of unknowns, but in general, the next thing that I've got my eye on is I want to make some noise about this. We have a website, trickortreat.co, and on the website, you can fill in, if we launch this fund, would you hypothetically invest in it? Would you go on Robinhood or Fidelity and buy some shares in this ETF? How much would you do? So anyone could just go, here's my email address. I'd put in a hundred bucks or I'd put in $25,000. And we have a counter on the website and that counter, I think it's up to $730,000 or something. And I need that counter to get to 50 million because that's a minimum where this whole model will work. And so for now, uh, we're going to some promotional ideas. Maybe it won't be necessary because this episode will go so viral. It'll just take care of it. But, um, oh yes, definitely. We'll take you yeah. two by storm. <laughs> yeah, if you could, maybe just take it to a hundred million. That's even better than 50. Okay. So we want to get yeah. that proof that people like, and if we stall out, Hey, we've got like 20 million or 30 million, but it stalls out. Then I think it might make sense for us to explore doing some kind of pilot where we don't even have a fund yet, but we could experiment, see if we can all coordinate to move a stock price or something. But ideally we can, without needing to do that, just go ahead get to the $50 million mark. In which case we raise money, we pay the lawyers, we create the fund. 
And we actually do it for real. I'm not going to predict how long this will take, but hopefully we're in a hurry. So let's go. Yeah. I think that gives us good milestones that you're looking to achieve so that you can reach launch day. So yeah. that'll be awesome. And to get, dive more into you, what was your background and your motivation for creating Trick or Treat? Mm, motivation. Yeah. This, this is an interesting part of a pattern that's been going on in my life and career. In college, I became pretty impact focused, activisty kind of person. Shortly thereafter, after I started a global social movement called Carrot Mob. And Carrot Mob was about people voting with their money. And it was similar. Basically, in 2008, I went to 23 liquor stores in the Mission District of San Francisco. And I said, hey, I'm going to bring hundreds of people to one liquor store. We're going to buy everything you got. If you want to be that liquor store, demonstrate to me that you're the most environmentally committed liquor store in this neighborhood. So what percentage of this hypothetical revenue that we would all show up and spend, would you be willing to invest in energy efficiency upgrades and so on? And so there was a bidding war and this one store had the best bid. I brought hundreds of people to the store. We just spent all this money at this liquor store, ran around the block for three hours. We tripled the biggest sales day in history. And they made all these wow. changes. They changed their like lighting system and their refrigeration. And I made a video and it went viral. And this is called Carrot Mob because we use the carrot instead of the stick. And for the next seven years, there's this movement. There's over 200 campaigns in 20 plus countries, people in Helsinki and Bangkok and Kuala Lumpur and South Carolina and Mexico City, all these places doing this. And so it was a bit of a long story, but basically I had this whole thing of we're going to vote with our money and change businesses to be sustainable with our sales. And now I'm doing the same thing, except it's with the stock market. It's like, we're going to reward right. companies. Investing. And now there's this stick. Before it was only positive. It was only carrot, not stick. And now we're doing, there's trick and treat. So I guess things have escalated with the climate crisis. So I guess we have to have that part now. But uh, anyway, that's, that's a big piece of it. And I did another startup along the way that was building an app for people to vote with their money when they make purchases and vote for what they want the business to do. So you unite the values-driven feedback for businesses with spending data. And anyway, so this is like a theme of what I've worked on my whole career. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> that's awesome that you were able to do that for that liquor store and just see that change happen for them. And they actually went out and implemented a change. So they're like, hey, yeah, this works. Let's so do it. Fun. And we mentioned that for Trick or Treat, you're trying to reach that 50 million mark. And then you're also looking just to bring out some more influencers and really get into this space with the marketing side of things. Do you have any other goals that you're looking to achieve here coming up soon? Right now, the strategy I'm working on is like a short form video strategy. Like I've been playing with TikTok and Instagram reels and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think hopefully you guys should all, all follow us and soon enough, we'll start dropping some videos that might help with growth. I think there's interestingly two pieces here. Part of what we need is $50 million lined up. And part of what we need is grassroots excitement. And if we have 50 million, we could launch the fund. And so there's a part of me that's, oh, should I just go to all my rich friends? And should I go to try to get millionaires and billionaires to give me $50 million? That would help. However, it doesn't prove that we can have a grassroots movement that would change a brand, right? We need to prove this part first. We need to prove that we can get people excited so that if we all just agree, so that we love Cheesecake Factory, that we hate that, that that's credible. So that's the hard part. So I think there's getting the number up to 50 million is part of it, but related to just getting more people to just put in my email and say, I'm excited and more people to follow us on social. And that's the thing I wanna feel, right now I have a feeling of there are a small number of people who are super passionate about this. And that is super encouraging because I can feel the passion and it's real. But 
I need to get to the point where I look at this network and it's, oh, we got a tiger by the tail. This is just electric. It's not just a small group of people. Like this is going places. That's what I want to feel. And I have my things I'm going to try to do to make that happen, right? I'm going to try to make funny videos and this, but it's not really about me. It's just like, cool, here's the idea. And it's about you, the people listening and watching. And so are you going to put your email in the thing? Are you going to follow us? And are you going to put it on the group chat? Check this out. And it's, we'll see if it pops, but that's your job, not mine. <laughs> but yeah, you, no, anyone who's, awesome. who's hearing this. Anybody who's listening and is interested in supporting this, definitely. And yeah. what are you currently learning right now? I guess the first phase was learning law, finance, stock market, operational minutia. Now I feel like I'm learning like TikTok. Just it's like the art of short form video. That's where my focus is at the moment. I'm like writing scripts and like preparing to shoot stuff. I've done some video stuff That's in great. the past, but it's a different thing. It's the short form stuff. Yeah. But I feel like yeah, so much is very interesting. Yeah. Have you done much of that social media? I, I just mostly do long forms. I don't because it's mostly podcasting. I do a sh short clip, but I don't really try to optimize it for that. But yeah, short shorts is a different world because you know you have to get people's attention really quickly and then have some type of way of holding them for a little bit, just a little bit of time, but getting them engaged enough so that they come and watch the next thing. So it's a different world. And like you, you can tell, <laughs> I've so enjoyed this conversation because the idea has really had room to breathe. Like this is long form is mm -hmm. great. Like, oh, we've talked about different angles on it. There's, you don't get it in the first two minutes, but then by the five minutes, you're like, oh, I see it now. And so like, how do I put that in a 90 second video. That's uh, some of the art. So I'm working on some ways to do yeah, that. I think it, but I think it's a process. Let's give people a little tidbit each time. Yeah. And over time, they start to get it. But yeah. yeah, I think it was Mark Twain. He wrote, he said, I couldn't write something short. So I wrote a long essay instead or something like that. Right. He was like, I couldn't write only if so I wrote or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was but yeah, it's because of that idea. Being concise and being effective can be difficult when you know you're trying to explain something complex and yeah. just to wrap it up here there's a couple last questions what is one tip that you would give any ecopreneur who is here on the podcast listening to this what is one tip that you would give them for either growing their green business or getting started with their green business i think that the more impact oriented you are the more my tip is focus on business model because i came in my career early on just being like wow, this is exciting. People are into it and like I'm into it and it's got hypothetical potential, but then not figuring out the business model. And I just have hit so many like brick walls because I just thought that, that would fall into place later. And early on, I just, I wasn't in the beginning of my career. I didn't fall in love with the idea of like, how can I design a business? That's not why I'm here. I'm here to do this other cool stuff or maybe make a cool product. And I think that if that's you, you should really fall in love with the idea that you're making a business as a machine and it's got all these parts and make that work. And just assume hypothetically that there was no impact, that no one wanted to do anything because of good reasons, that everyone was like greedy, terrible people. And would you have something that works in that situation? Make sure the answer is yes. And then you actually do have all this good impact stuff and great motivated and good story. And so then that just adds onto it and like supercharges what you're doing. And so I guess that's my advice. And now actually, if you look at trick or treat, it's interesting because like our whole thing is governed by radical climate impact activists and stuff. But this would totally work if no one cared about climate. If yeah. everyone was evil, people are like, I want to invest in this fund because we will use force to move company values and I'll make money. And then the company is like, yeah, we'll do whatever they say because we're going to make money. And like climate wasn't even part of it. 
it, this would work. So that's maybe that's a signal of like how I got here. But like the magic, like that it would work and it would have no soul. And because we're all like, we care, then it's going to have soul. And so then it's just as magic. But yeah, that foundational business model, that's my advice. Yeah, you can't run a company off of impact and passion. So you have to make sure that that business model is there. But when you combine both of them, that's when the magic happens. Totally. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And if anybody wants to find out more about you, wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to get in touch? Yes. Yeah, so our website is trickortreat.co. And when you get there, I would love for you to drop your email and say you'd invest a hundred bucks or whatever it is. I would love for you to share it with friends. And we also have members only. Some people are paying 10 bucks a month to be in our private community where we're discussing a lot of this stuff and then social media. So our handle, this is for Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. It's all the same name. It's trick or treat, but there's three T's in trick or treat and just replace each of the T's with the number seven. It kind of looks like a T. It's a trick or treat with sevens instead of T's. Okay. Uh, follow us on gotcha. uh, Instagram and all that. Yeah. And you can totally message me, message me there as well. Sweet. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Brent, for coming on to the Green Business Impact Podcast. It was so much fun having you on the show and being able to talk about trick or treat and how you guys are looking to really take the climate movement and just apply finance to it and just bring it all together and just speed everything forward. So thank you yes. so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Bill. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and if you enjoyed this interview with Brent, all about how they are looking to drastically impact companies through their trick-or-treat model, then I invite you to check out this interview with Fennel, who is looking to give the power back to the shareholder so that you can actually have a vote when you invest in a company. So make sure you check out this interview with Fennel. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in launching your own podcast to make an even larger impact on the world, then look no farther than the podcasting platform that I use here to launch every single episode of Green Business Impact, Podbean. I searched through all the different podcasting platforms out there and the best choice by far was Podbean. They give you truly the best value and all the resources you need to spread your message to the world by easily connecting you to all the different podcasting networks like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of them. And they give you so many resources and opportunities to monetize it as well. So if you are on the fence about which podcasting platform to go with, make sure you check out the link in the description below to register your podcast with Podbean. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.